This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is Jeff Fritz. Uh, Jeff is currently a program manager at Microsoft on the .NET team, and you may have seen him online as C-Sharp Fritz. How are you doing, Jeff? Hey, Ed. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. So I brought you on the show today to discuss a pretty popular topic that I've, I've had quite a few questions about. Uh, you know, being in the developer advocacy role, uh, people see me speaking and doing webinars, and they often ask me about live streaming. And you've been working on some live streaming activities. So I thought I'd bring you on so you could kind of share some knowledge with all of us. Cool. Yeah. Um, I started live streaming a, a few months ago. It, it was almost like an experiment in November. Um I, I was, I mean, gosh, as a longtime developer advocate, you know, previously with, with Telerik, um, I was used to giving webinars every couple months. And uh, I really enjoyed the live webinars, you know, when you're, when you're giving that presentation and it might be, might be pre-canned, you know, you may have spent a couple weeks writing it and perfecting it, verifying all your demos work. And, and there's a certain energy you know, when you when you're giving a presentation to a group and you get questions coming back and it's as an instructor or a presenter that's giving that type of presentation, it really it, it almost empowers you. It's like, all right, cool. You know, I've I, I'm getting folks paying attention. They're they're learning something. This is great. And um, it was back in November. I was looking forward to my schedule in in 2018. And, um, I was thinking, you know what, I've got a, I've got a couple of events that I'm, I'm going to be helping, helping to run, helping to coordinate for my employer. And I don't have too many opportunities to go out and speak and do that type of rich engagement with a, with an audience. And, uh, I had seen my friend, Suze Hinton, uh, doing doing live streaming writing javascript code on sunday mornings on twitch and i liked tuning in and watching her and it was it was fun seeing you know the different things she was working on but i thought you know nobody's really doing that for net or c sharp you know she does a great job with javascript you know and i i still tune in every weekend and and watch and i encourage folks you know check check out what she's got going on over there because she's doing some really neat stuff with iot devices node and even uh, browser-based javascript and uh but i wanted to do some some outreach and and talk to folks on the twitch community where microsoft really isn't and talk about c sharp and net and make it easy for folks to learn some of that stuff. So since I wasn't going to be speaking at events, it felt like an easy way for me to, to give webinars again um, at little to no cost on, on my end, because I've already got microphone and video equipment and broadcast gear, you know, that works it's serviceable. And uh, I, I just said, let's see where this goes. And I started with an initial it was almost a presentation the first the first uh, episode or two that I did. And I realized, you know what? Folks actually learn more when they're paying attention to to videos or to training 
and they're looking for errors. They're looking to figure out how can I make things better? So I shifted my model slightly and made everything, made sure everything was open source that I was working on and invited folks to submit pull requests and started answering folks in the chat room and saying, Hey, you know, if there's ways that I can be doing things better, let me know, you know, and let's, let's learn together. So Ed, it almost became like pair programming with the internet when I, when I think of live streaming and writing code, you know, because I want folks to to have that feeling that maybe they don't have a, a vested interest in what it is that I'm writing, but they can contribute, and I'm more than happy to answer their questions and and try out their suggestions that they drop into a chat room or into a pull request or even an issue that they open on one of my GitHub repositories. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's completely different than watching something like uh, Pluralsight or YouTube which are both great services, but you don't have that rich interactivity like you do from a live stream. Or gosh, even learning in person from someone, right? I mean, when we're, when we're kids and we go to school, when we're in college, you got the most value out of a lesson when you could ask, ask the instructor questions. And I struggled with that in college. You know, I, I went to a school that had big lecture halls. You had 500 to a thousand people in a class, you couldn't ask the instructor a question. You were being lectured to just like those recorded pre-recorded video services, you know, having that instructor that can answer your questions is huge for new learners. And, and we see a lot of folks flock to, to Slack or discord where they can ask questions and get friendly responses from folks you know, that are near real time. So. And are you primarily streaming on Twitch or are there other services that you're using? So there are, there are a number of services out there you can use. YouTube has a live streaming service. Mixer has a live streaming service. Twitch of course is, is almost the elephant in the room now. Um, they've, they've got hundreds of thousands of broadcasters, uh, millions of folks watching over on Twitch. Um, and they've got apps that run on every device, on your phones, on your tablets, your Roku, uh, actually not on Roku, your Xbox, your PlayStation. Um, so you can really tune into content from Twitch everywhere. Um, some of those other services, not so much. And uh, Twitch has an amazing ecosystem around it. Lots of lots of things that you can use to plug in to enhance your uh, your broadcast to to engage your audience in in new and interesting ways um it it really is a more interactive television service and i don't want to take the uh topic too far off topic but i think twitch is owned by amazon these days isn't it yeah they were acquired by amazon three four years ago so uh youtube is owned by google mixer is owned by microsoft yeah so uh, I guess the the point there in uh, respect to what we're talking about is you're not going to see Twitch going away anytime soon. <laughs> no, uh, those three services are are not going to going to disappear. They're they're certainly going to be around for a while, um, and and they're all trying to do some sort of a, a co branding coupling to their other services. Um, yeah, Mixer, they're they've got plugins for your Xbox and for Windows 10 so that you can start broadcasting immediately from uh, from your Xbox 
or from your PC um, with just a keystroke, just a gesture on your device. Um, YouTube, they make it very easy to, to start up services, start up a live stream, and they'll actually embed links to your live stream in Google if somebody's searching for something related to the content on your live video. And yeah, Twitch, of course, is is very tightly coupled to Amazon. They do things where you can you can actually sell products during your stream that are on Amazon and get paid for it. And there's Amazon Prime gets converted to a Prime subscription on Twitch, so you can hide ads. All kinds of these integration things that everybody's trying to do to to land grab this content. Yeah, I I looked at this a while ago uh, when Twitch was first taking off as as an option for uh, doing webinars and and encoding content and stuff. And at that time, uh, all of these services, um, they were more geared towards uh, gaming. So like these were, you know, live streaming your gameplay uh, type of stuff. And and at that time, Twitch actually, uh, I want to say they didn't allow coding on their on their channel um i don't know if they're actively taking those streams offline but they did have it in their policy at that point uh that it was for gaming only so there was um there was a shift a, a year or two ago where they started allowing what they call uh creative streams and uh irl or in real life streams and um you know there's there's something to be said about being able to tune in and, you know, watch somebody teach you how to write code, um, watch somebody teach you how to bake, how to cook. Um, uh, some of our friends in the tech community, they do um, cooking shows where, you know, hey, here's we're going to make dinner tonight. And we're going to broadcast and show you, you know, here's what we're making and here's how you can do it as well. And that's that's actually pretty compelling. You know, I mean, uh, when I was a kid, we used to turn into PBS tune into PBS on the, on the weekends. And you would see folks teaching you, you know, here's how to cook, here's how to sew, here's how to paint. And these creative shows, you know, we, we, we met Bob Ross and the joy of painting through that, you know, we met Julia Child through this. And, and it just goes to show that there's definitely something to that content and the creative streamers that are teaching practical skills not just entertainment with gaming um it, it's it's being found to be a much more valuable space in video broadcast is it going to attract the hundreds of thousands of viewers that um folks playing overwatch are, are attracting no but you know what there's definitely something to be said about having a couple thousand folks out there that tune in on a regular basis yeah, I think that's a welcome change uh, to have additional content in, in place of uh, just the gaming content. Uh, I think that those services are really limiting themselves if they try to stick to just gaming. You know, while there's some benefit in specializing in something, uh, I think there was a big enough audience and uh, a, a big enough audience of content providers as well. You know, people wanting to do what you're doing. Uh, and like you said, cooking and other things that 
make it worthwhile for these services to broaden their their scope a bit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think of it as when when I subscribe to to my cable, to my television service, yeah, I want ESPN because I want to watch sports, but I also want HGTV and I want National Geographic. And I want to see some of these other sciency type channels and, you know, so I can so I'm not watching football, you know, all the time or basketball, you know, show me a little bit more breadth. I think there's a lot of room here in, in kind of like developer entertainment TV too. I, I think, uh, you, you know, you working at Microsoft know well enough that channel nine, uh, has been a success and, um, there's a lot of viewers that go there to watch content as well. Oh, absolutely. Channel 9 is a great magnet for for eyeballs. Um, it's very well established. It's been around for, gosh, almost 10 years now. And, you know, they've they've got a set of, of programs there that are recorded that they present on a regular basis. Um, of course, we use Channel 9 for uh, various live events that we want to broadcast for developers or IT folks that you know, we want to share, we want to share news. We want to have interactive content with folks. And uh, we have an amazing studio set up for all of those things and even recording pre-recorded content. But there's, there's something to be said for um, not having to need a full, uh, full studio, a full setup in order to, to present that type of content. There's, um, there's folks everywhere, not just in the Pacific Northwest of the United States that have amazing content, you know, let's give them an opportunity to present stuff on their time. Absolutely. I I think what you're getting at there is, um, you know, you, you do have access to channel nine, but it's not required for what you're doing. And in fact, you do a lot of this from home. Oh gosh. Yes. Uh, I'd say, um, 95% 95% of of the content that I've been putting together has been from home. Um, I've done a handful of shows um, on the road, if you will, from either Channel 9 Studios or from uh, uh, conferences that I've been speaking at. So, and that's been fun too. So what, what type of setup? Do you have at home then? What are what is the equipment like? And then you know we can get into some software uh, uh, stuff in a little bit here and talk about what that is. Sure. So, um, it, I mentioned earlier that that I've really I, I've been fortunate that I've got I've got gear that I currently use for for work and my personal gear that really is is suitable for streaming. I don't need to. Uh, I didn't need to go out and acquire additional uh, additional gear, but um, in order to make it all work and to put together a presentation that I thought was cohesive, um, I actually used three machines together to to present the entire show as I as I work on it, um, and that's really because when you look at doing streaming like this, right? Or even, uh, gosh, recording a podcast, you know, as we're doing right now, you, you as a host, you have more responsibility than just being the talent that's doing the interview, that's doing the presentation. You also have to, you know, take care of, you know, recording and, and how am I shipping this stuff across the network and formatting things and, uh, checking the status on things. Um, so when I'm live streaming, not only am I doing 
right? Am I the talent, but I'm also managing the network statistics. I'm monitoring a chat room and responding to the questions from the chat room. Um, and I've got to make sure that that I've edited together my content properly. So the three machines I use, I'll start with the simplest one. The first one that I use is a Mac. It's a Mac Airbook, um, a MacBook Air, I'm sorry, that um, I really use just to monitor Twitch. And uh, it, it really just monitors the network connection, make sure that I'm pushing a, a stable connection out there and that things... Um, and the throughput network throughput is pretty good, you know, so it's really my insight into how things are being delivered. Now that's changing slightly this month because I'm actually broadcasting and doing all of my code from my Mac. So I'm shifting things around slightly, but normally Mac is where I'm doing my network monitoring. Uh, the second machine I use, it's actually more like my stage where I'm, I'm doing my editing and I'm sorry, where I'm doing my coding is a Lenovo Yoga 910. So it's another laptop and it's running Visual Studio and that's where I'll be writing code and I actually remote into that machine and uh, use that remote desktop connection to present. And that's what you see on screen when you watch my videos is 90% of the screen is coming from that Yoga the third machine and the machine that's actually doing the production work and editing all this together is a uh, Surface Book 2 uh, 15-inch with the NVIDIA Powerbase. So it's got the high-end video card in it. It's doing the video editing to assemble the video that's being output from the Yoga and uh, ship it across the network to the Twitch servers. Now, the Surface Book is where I also do... Skype connections. So if I have somebody joining me to pair program on the call, the Skype call comes off of the Surface Book. And I use the video from that Skype call, the webcam from my uh, from my guest. I capture that and assemble that together inside of my video editing software. Now, is the purpose of the Lenovo notebook to offload some of the CPU uh, that's being taxed, so it's not all on one machine, or is there another reason that's for that? That's a great point, Ed. That's absolutely what I do because um, <laughs> when I first started, when I first tried to to stream and I was running everything off of one machine, when I would build my projects in Visual Studio, I dropped frames on the transmission like crazy. It's like, oops, <laughs> I disappeared <laughs> for ten seconds because Visual Studio was compiling. <laughs> So, um, okay, how can we do that and and push that content somewhere else? And and there's it, you're exactly right. I offloaded that content that processor load to another machine. The um, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually have a blog post on my blog that has a little bit more detail about the the three machines that I use and how I assemble them. Um, and uh, I'll share that link with you so you can add it to the notes for the show here. Yeah. So why don't we uh, talk a little bit about software since we've already got the idea of these three machines. Sure. You said the first machine monitors your network. Mm -hmm. So what's the software stack behind You know that what? It's, it, honestly, um, Twitch has a great dashboard that'll show me the network throughput. Um, so I log in, I just open my web browser, log into to my Twitch dashboard 
and it'll show me just a little line graph. You know, here's the the current network throughput coming through to Twitch. So literally, I could do that with my phone. I could do that with my with a tablet. I happen to use a, uh, the uh, MacBook Air because it's it's easy for me to um, put that into service if I needed to fail over to it or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, so Visual Studio is on my, my yoga and that's what I'm typically using to write code and, and present with. Um, but then the, the real question that I think you want to, <laughs> you want to get to the answer of is, uh, for my video production, I use a tool called the open broadcaster software or OBS. And, uh, that's a great tool that, that I was able to pick up pretty easily because I had done some video editing, uh, previously. So it's, um, it's a real easy to compose a scene and put various elements into that scene, whether it's video or content from a web browser or applications that you want to capture parts of and place at different locations on the screen. Um, it's real easy to, to pick that up, um, tinker with it for a little bit and, and really get a feel for how to assemble the various video scenes that you want. Um, I've had great luck with it. Um, and then because I'm running it on the surface book, I'm actually able to use the NVIDIA card to do all the rendering and, uh, delivery of that content very easily offloading it from the main processor in the device. So when you're on OBS, uh, or sorry, when you're on Twitch, um, you see a broadcaster and say they get a new follower. Mm -hmm. And some animation pops up on the top of their screen. Is that like a plugin for OBS or is that something from Twitch? How is that configured? Oh, that's a great question. So there's um, there's a number of services out there that will uh, allow you to build animations like that. And you can embed them then inside of your inside of your your video presentation as a browser plugin it's they literally give you a web page you know that says this widget is now configured and living at this url so inside obs you just uh create a new a new element on the screen that's based on a browser element and you pass in that url that's given to you um i use streamlabs at streamlabs.com and uh I use that for my, I have an event list that appears in the bottom of the screen that shows, you know, here are the recent folks that are following, um, that various different actions that they interact with the stream. And then, uh, I have a, an alert box that appears on the bottom of the screen and, uh, our friend Steve Ballmer pops up every now and again, chanting developers, 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 <laughs> when, whenever somebody clicks the follow button, um, on the Twitch stream. So, um, I've gotten a number of comments on that. People think that's fun. You know, it's, it's an easy way for me to add a little bit of, uh, humor into the stream, you know, bring a smile to folks face that, you know, Hey, I click the follow button and, you know, I, I, of course, as the host acknowledge, you know, Hey, thanks so much, Ed, for, for following us. And we hear Steve chanting developers, developers, developers. Um, so, so those are web like applets that load into OBS. They're not even applets. They're they're actually browser. I'm sorry. They're web pages, and it's huh, interesting. It's just hosting a uh, you know a GIF or an MP4 with a little bit of audio that goes with it, and 
OBS is hosting a, it's actually a, a Chromium plugin. Um, and it just puts that little piece of browser window wherever you tell it to inside of your output video. Very cool. Yeah. So are you also doing like green screens? I noticed, uh, I think the, the show that I watched, you were at the channel nine studio. So there was a green screen there for sure. Oh, yeah. Are you doing that as ho- at home oh, as yes. well? Um, and the green screen, so, uh, green screen's kind of a, uh, the lay person's term for, you know, you have a, a green cloth that you put behind you, or you have a wall that's painted green and you use a, a, a video tool called chroma key to identify that green, that green color and tell the, uh, tell the application, tell OBS to remove that from the video. Um, it real easy to, to do inside of OBS, you know, you just say, uh, you know, find the green and, you know, remove it and you can set the various color levels as far as brightness and what, how much match to have on that green. Um, but you know, I've seen folks that have gone as simple as they, they went and bought a green bed sheet and they hung it behind them. Um, I, I, bought a screen from from Amazon for 40 50 bucks that it's that is able to stand up behind me at home um, and I put a couple lights on it so I can make sure that it has a nice even um, even lighting behind me and I just configure OBS to remove the green and then it on the video presentation it looks like I'm sitting inside of Visual Studio. So that's kind of cool. It's the same technology that you see the weather folks use on the television news. Yeah. Our, um, our weather guy here at the local channel, every Halloween, he likes to wear a green outfit <laughs> with uh, skeleton bones strapped to the outside. Of there it. you go. That's cool. So he looks like a floating head on top of a skeleton body. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely the same type of technology. It's, it's um, surprising to me that, you know, I know it's been around for a while and these things tend to happen this way, but uh, you know, that was, that was high tech back in the day. And, you know, now you can toss that stuff up at home. It's pretty amazing. Oh yeah. It's, it's amazing how accessible it is now. You know, we've got high quality cameras, you know, you can get a 1080p camera for, you know, that you can plug into your PC, you know, if it doesn't already come embedded on your pc but you can buy an external one for 50 to 100 bucks and you know it's real easy then to drop out the the background and it doesn't have to be green i've used um the the screen that i have has a blue side also so if i wanted to wear green i can just turn around my screen and say okay instead of removing the green remove the blue done real easy to do and and you're right so accessible now so speaking of accessible, I've got a problem where <laughs> I don't have access to good internet. Uh, so that, that can be an issue. What, what type of, uh, uh, pipe are you working with? Do you use like a business class subscription or, or do you just use, you know, the, the run of the mill, uh, consumer pipeline? So when I broadcast from home, I'm using a, a regular consumer pipeline. I'm, I'm on a, a fiber optic network. I use Fios. Um, I have a, a wired connection though to the outside. I'm not using Wi-Fi from my, um, from my machines here. And it's, it's, uh, 
I really only need about five MIPS, right? Five megabits per second because um, I, I'm not pushing a lot of changing video content. You know, when you watch my video, you'll see that for the most part, a, a good chunk of the screen isn't changing, you know, radically, right? It's not action going on on the screen, you know. There's sections of Visual Studio that are not changing probably for most of the show. And that's important for compression technologies, exactly. right? Exactly. So I'm able to to push, you know, 30 frames a second. Um, at I try and stick to about 2,500 kilobytes per second. Um and then I, I want to have a little bit more than that in case I bring on, you know, a guest or something. So I really only need five MIPS to, to push that. When I, when I do travel and I'm on the road, it's real hard to get a good connection like that at a hotel. You know, if you're mm-hmm. at a hotel, you're typically on Wi-Fi and it's, it's going to be brutal. Um, some friends have had good luck with using an LTE uh, hotspot and connecting to that. Um, but what, what I'll try and do is I'll try and connect with either a conference organizer or, um, or I was at the office and I want to be on a hard line. There's too much that can go wrong when you're on Wi-Fi. Yeah. Wi-Fi can definitely be finicky, especially at live events, uh, conferences. You might as well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you might as well roll the dice. Uh, that's, that's kind of a crapshoot for, uh, doing any kind of Wi-Fi anything there. Oh yeah. Um, and I, where, where I'm at, I'm on a somewhat rural connection. So it's, um, it's a, it's a coax connection. I don't have, uh, Verizon Fios or anything like that available. Uh, I don't even know if I should name the carrier, but they're terrible. And it's, it's always, it's, it's not a bandwidth issue as much as it is an uptime issue Mm. here. So it will just randomly go out in the middle of the day. I've lost a podcast or two in that process. Uh, so I, you know, doing a live shows (laughs) kind of tricky when those things happen. Yeah, I can definitely appreciate that. Um, it's stability of the network connection is, is of utmost importance when you're broadcasting live. Definitely. Yeah. I had uh, Verizon Fios, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, before I moved and, um, it, it was, a good service back then. Um, I, I don't know a whole lot about it these days, but I had, um, I had the optical connection in the house. Um, and then you plugged directly, you could wire directly into that with your, uh, cat five. Yes. Connection. Oh yes. Yeah. So it, it, I mean, I had enough bandwidth back then to do whatever I wanted, but <laughs> since I've moved, <laughs> Uh, the internet connection out here in Kentucky, not so great. So uh, we've, we've gone over uh, kind of the hardware and software aspects mm-hmm. of it. And, and like you said, you are the content of the show oh, yeah. and, you know, the producer, the whole nine yards, uh, what, what people may not be picking up is that you're also like the program manager for the show. <laughs> yes. So, that, that's one of the parts of doing a podcast I find difficult is you have to have um, not only a content queue, but also a list of folks that you can talk to and interview, 
their availability and scheduling them. Uh, what what's your process like on all that? So uh, I started I started very slowly building out as just me writing code, and I I slowly added features. Um, I didn't have a website or anything around it. Um, I had my blog out there, but I slowly started adding. I added GitHub repositories. I added a full set of content to the homepage on Twitch. So when you go to my channel, there's all kinds of information about who I am and what I'm doing. And I slowly built these out. And then it, it hit me that, oh, you know, I've got a YouTube channel over here and a YouTube account. Why don't we start publishing the archive over there? And I slowly started doing that. And and it's kind of um, it, it's become, you know, a several step process. Then for each time I I present content, you know. Um, I've got to set up the Twitch page so that it has all the information about here's what's going to be happening today. And then I go, when I finish, I go over to YouTube and I export all the video to over there and I, I dress it up properly. So you're right. I'm, I'm very much the program manager, the producer for the entire show. And I've got to, I've got to pull together all those various pieces so that I have appropriate content landing everywhere that I want it to so that folks are still integrated and connected to the show. Um, but when it comes to planning and scheduling folks and, you know, trying to organize things, um, I try to schedule guests about a week or two out at least. Um, right now I'm scheduling folks about a, almost a month out and I'm trying to limit to either Tuesdays or Saturday mornings. Um, I broadcast three times a week, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And I want to make sure that there's at least one day in there where I'm focused on just answering questions at, from the audience, um, working on projects with them so that, you know, I, I'm effectively pair programming with the audience. You know, I want to make sure that they continue to get a lot of my intention. Um, but when I do bring on guests, I try to line up guests so that they have something to contribute to one of the projects that we've been working on on stream. So right now I have two projects that I'm primarily working on. Um, we mentioned earlier the various video widgets that are dropped into the user interface. So I've been writing a project that uses ASP.NET Core to generate some of those widgets. And it's been fun. We've, we've learned some things about ASP.NET Core. We've learned how to put ASP.NET Core into a Docker container and manage that together. And we've been able to bring in some other folks to help us with design and interactivity and some of the network connection things that go on around that. So I've been purposely scheduling folks to come in and help address or write a piece of functionality as part of that service. And then the second project I'm working on is really intended for beginners. And it's a, it's a very simple wiki, right? A wiki project, a content management project that uses ASP.NET Core, but is intended to be simple enough that a beginner can pick it up and learn from it in a half an hour, an hour, you know, understand, you know, it's a couple pages for creating and editing pay, uh, Wiki content has a very simple database interaction, uses a markdown uh, tag helper to present content that was written by contributors to the wiki. And I'm going to start using that as almost a, a minimum viable product that folks can 
can show various features of, you know, their, their cloud service or, uh, their favorite JavaScript framework, you know, and we'll enhance the wiki and be able to build these little modules. So if you wanted to use Azure storage as your database mechanism, as your data storage, great. Here's the module you can use. And it was built with these folks from the Azure team or Azure developer advocates. And in this way, folks can get samples that show here's how to use those technologies and they've got that minimum viable product that's real easy to see how things are added onto because it's not complex like like a a store application or an accounting application it's literally just reading and writing wiki content you know article content to a data store so i really try and set up so that i have guests that can help enhance those applications and answer questions from the audience because they're experts in, you know, whatever that area is that we're working on that day. Um, great example of this. I had problems with async and await. I've been terrible Ed. I've been terrible with those keywords in C sharp for a long <laughs> time. And I was struggling with some code to interact with, with the chat service on Twitch. And um, I brought on, uh, Bill Wagner, who's an expert in C sharp development, amazing teacher. Uh, he's leader of the of the Docs team for Microsoft, specifically around .NET. And we spent we spent an hour and a half, two hours, talking about how async and await and tasks work in C sharp, and specifically around the problems that I was having in my code. So here's a great example where. Bill knows that topic very, very well. I had a real example of, you know what? I don't know how to do this. And he was able to answer questions and lead the development in fixing my code. And it was one class that we were working on, but it was a very simple set of steps that we were able to walk through to clear up the problem. And at the same time, teach the viewers and show them, here's how you can use this feature. It was great. So are there any um, any other shows that you have that you would consider like your favorite episode or anything like that? So back in February, I, I've and I'm still doing it. I, I run I run a follower goal um, promotion where um, I encourage folks that are that are viewing and watching the stream um, to hit the follower button. It's free. It'll let you know when I'm when I'm streaming again. Um, but. Tell your friends and have them come along and, and follow. And when I hit a certain number of followers, I'll have a, I call it a stunt stream, right? I'll do a stream where it's a specific topic. It's going to be fun. It's going to be different. It's going to be something that that viewers are going to want to watch. And back in February, I crossed my first, my first goal. I hit 500 followers. And that sounds like a lot of people. But when you look at some of the folks that are on Twitch, they've got hundreds of thousands, millions of followers. 500 in a month and a half, two months was a lot for me. I was I was really proud of hitting that. And I offered to broadcast the uh, an eight-hour ASP.NET Core workshop. So I have a workshop set of materials that we, we have that we use for various uh, conferences, people that want to host a workshop, and I'll, I'll bring those materials and teach them at an in-person conference. So I offered to give that as an eight-hour workshop 
instead of my normal one or two hour uh, streaming, I did eight hours of teaching ASP.NET Core from from beginner all the way to deploying an application. And I brought on a couple of our uh, couple of M- Microsoft MVPs. I had one or two um, uh, Microsoft employees that joined me, and it was great being able to pair program for for a full day with a a bunch of really engaged viewers. Um, I saw my my viewership almost triple that day what I normally had. Folks loved the video had some amazing questions throughout the day. A number of my Microsoft colleagues tuned in to, to see how it worked. And they were, they, they were happy to see, you know, all the folks that were learning and, and, uh, asking really good questions throughout the day. And, and there's definitely something to, to pair programming with friends, you know, whether you're broadcasting it or not, but to get that, get that feedback, that, that immediate feedback from them. And, uh, uh, it was great that day. I had an opportunity to pair program with Julie Lerman, um, the, who's you know tremendous expert in entity she's, framework. Yeah, oh. she's phenomenal. And and to spend a day, not a day, we we had an hour together where we taught entity framework together, and we used Visual Studio Live Share, um, which is an extension on Visual Studio 2017 and Visual Studio Code that allows people to write code in the same application, the same files at the same time. Think of it like like Office 365 or Google Docs, where you can edit a document together at the same time, but with code, right? And to be able to do that with an expert like Julie. And I learned I learned a lot in just that hour from her working on Entity Framework together and the questions we got in the chat room during that hour and how how fun it was to answer to them. I really enjoyed that whole day. But that one hour with Julie was just amazing. Yeah, Julie, uh, you know, first of all, she's okay. brilliant. And then second of all, she's quite the personality. Okay. as well so very very uh easy to talk to uh very down to earth and um and just you know entertaining in general uh she's got a good oh, a good wit about her i've had her on the podcast before as well so you know julie julie's just simply Absolutely. amazing so i love to have her on on again i have to talk to her and see if i can get her back on the show she's just Absolutely. fun to hang out with so there's there's definitely something for to be said for those longer format shows. And I'm actually, um, this will be, you're going to publish this very shortly here at the beginning of May. I'm actually setting up for another workshop. I'm going to do a C sharp workshop, C sharp, a little bit of Git and a little bit of advanced C sharp at the end of the day, but I'm scheduling that for Friday, May 18th. And it's going to be a full day. Um, another eight hour workshop. I've got a, I've got seven, no, I'm sorry. I've got eight uh, pair programmers, guests lined up to each take an hour and show a different section of the uh, of the programming language to show a little bit of how to get started with source control with Git and to show some of the new things that are coming out. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. I think that's going to be another great, uh, great event, another fun stream that uh, just like we were saying at the beginning of this, Ed, it's it takes very little for us to get up and running as far as being able to broadcast and the hardware that we need. It just takes a little bit of time to plan, to organize, um, and, you know, some good friends to, to connect with and be able to coordinate and, and 
execute on those plans. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's it's on the 18th of May here, 2018. And of course, I'll archive that and I'll have a recording over on my YouTube channel if folks can't make it during the day when we're actually doing the instructions. And uh, where where is your Twitch and YouTube channels so people oh, can okay. find those? No problem. So uh, you can go to twitch.tv slash C Sharp Fritz, just like my Twitter. So spelled just like the, the language, uh, C Sharp and then F-R-I-T-Z. And, and your YouTube so as well. YouTube, right. They've got this weird, it's like youtube.com slash, and there's a goofy, right. There's a goofy, uh, string after that. So I made it, I, I, I subdomained it. I created a, a redirect off of my own, uh, domain name. So if you go to just youtube.jeffreyfritz.com, it'll redirect you to where my YouTube channel is. And that's a little bit easier ah, for folks to remember. Yeah, those things are handy. I use stuff like that and web URL yeah. shorteners as well for little tricks mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that. And content providers like to be pesky with their don't URLs. They? And I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. I will tell people, just go to this URL and behind the scenes, I'll remap it appropriately. Yeah, being a content generator, uh, you know, you and I both do this this type of work. When somebody from, say, marketing, for example, hands you a URL and you're supposed to read that aloud to listeners. Yeah, forget it. <laughs> yeah, not happening. URL shorteners uh, for the win there. Uh, so while you're not streaming, um, you're involved with uh, you know, working at Microsoft as a program manager. And uh, I heard you're very involved with uh, the upcoming build oh, event yes. this year. So you have uh, quite quite a large um, list of sessions and, and whatnot that you're oh, putting yeah. together for Amazing that. Amazing stuff. Wait till you see. We've got 3D, 4D. Amazing. No, I can't. We don't have that. Um, <laughs> but there's, there is a ton of content that we have on .NET, on Visual Studio, on Azure, on Mixed Reality, IoT. Uh, Gosh, all the cool things that are going on right now in technology, we're going to be showing you at, at, at really what's our product showcase. You know, here's all the cool new things that we've been building that we can't wait to share with with our customers, with our developers that are interested and engaged and want to learn more about all that stuff. I'll take my marketing hat off now and say it, there's a <laughs> it's really going to be cool. There's um, there's a long list of sessions that uh, that you can check out right now if you before the event you can check out at at what is it build.microsoft.com you can see the session list over there and of course we've got um, we'll have recordings available afterwards on all that content the the keynotes will all be live streamed um, there's a selection of of content that'll be live streamed during the event um, it's it's going to be pretty special. Yeah. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I will be there in person uh, and witnessing some of the content live. Uh, we will be, or uh, me and my team will be across from the channel nine area uh, where they're doing the podcasting booths. So we'll, we'll do some shows live uh, from the event. You'll hear myself and, and some others from work on there. We've got some guests lined up. 
Uh, we'll be pushing a bunch of content around build. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that as well. And I'm sure I will see you around, even though you'd be very busy, I'm oh, yes. sure. Uh, so we'll, we'll definitely uh, at least say hello if we don't get a chance to have a beer or something. Um, and uh, it'll be a great event. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. There's there, there's a lot happening during the event. There's a lot happening after hours of the event. And um, there's I know a number of folks that are that are hosting get togethers, different meetups. Um, and and really those types of events um, after hours are are very valuable at events like this because that's when you're going to connect. You're going to make those those valuable networking connections with other folks that are going to last, that are going to get you um, going to get you business cards and really enable you to uh, extend your learning beyond just the material that was presented on stage. Absolutely. Um, us included uh, at uh, Progress, uh, makers of the Telerik brand of products, we have a party on um, Sunday night uh, at 7 o'clock at the Tap House uh, nearby the convention center. Uh, so if you're a build attendee, uh, feel free to come out to the party. Um, I'll include a link to the party um, information on the show notes. I'll tweet that out as well. So you can come out and visit the uh, progress staff, uh, party with us, have some food and drinks and all that good stuff. Um, Jeff, appreciate you being on the show, man. I know you've got a busy schedule, uh, you know, streaming three times a week on top of work and all that good stuff so i appreciate you making time for me hey no problem ed thanks so much for having me on the show 